Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. and third edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a fumble rooski across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Well, guys, um, the 2019 Hillwood football season comes to an end tomorrow night, and we may actually employ the fumble rooski against Beach. So uh, that's a good segue, but uh, I'm excited to be here. Got a lot to talk about. It's Florida week. I've been wearing red every single day at school, um, including today. Um, Even, even though I was the blue Pac-Man ghost, I wore a red jacket. It was great. We're going to have a little, uh, we're going to have a little pregame for the cocktail party tonight. Um, But we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man has been racking up the frequent flyer miles lately and is the single best pumpkin carver I have ever met. (laughs) It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Thank you. And uh, last night's pumpkin, actually, I had really like no inspiration and was kind of on a time crunch with stuff. So I made life easy on myself. I just used one of the templates from the book. And I was done with that sucker in like 20 minutes. (laughs) Um, yes. Well, uh, Josh, I hope that, uh, you are ready to get back on an airplane this weekend. You will be coming down to see the two of us here in Nashville. Um, might even have to do a little special show sometime while you're here. Uh, so looking forward to ideal, looking forward to having you. Um, in the meantime, let's, uh, get started, uh, here with not a game, but a big decision that has been handed down by the NCAA, um, recently. Um, this week, in fact, the NCAA Board of Governors v- voted unanim- unanimously to uh, start to, I-, I-, I believe the wording is, uh, uh, seek a path towards uh, having players get paid for their likenesses and images um, in a way to compensate players. Um, Josh, what was your, what, what is your take and how, how fast do you think this will really get rolling? Well, obviously, California, um, just being such a big state, big economy, so many universities that it was always going to drive this. Um, Illinois passed a similar law as well, although theirs doesn't take effect till about 2023. Um, It seems like California also has a little bit of a delay. So don't expect this for the very next football season, but within two, three, maybe even four year type rollout thing. Um, it's a wonderful step in the right direction. I think all of us have been pretty consistent with our feelings on this issue. My personal one is that I would like to see the players do get paid. Um, but there's a lot of unanswered questions that I haven't seen anyone address 
regarding like, is it an hourly wage? Is it a stipend? Is it Alabama pays the same as much as middle Tennessee, or is it staggered in that case? Then the rich get richer. Uh, what about schools that operate in the red? Uh, what about the title nine concerns? So the pain of the athletes is still a big concern, but with this specific policy change, it's a no brainer. It's players making a little bit of money off their likeness. So, and it's hey, not, and the other thing is it's not the university paying. Exactly. Them. It's, it's, Hey, I signed an autograph. I'm going to sell it to someone for like 50 bucks. Who cares? Yeah. And, and Corey, in, in a lot of ways, this is just honestly um, bringing what already happens under the table to light and making it above board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we already, we, everybody knows that, you know, every, every team has the guy on staff who's the bag man. That is correct. And, and now, this, all, all this is doing is it is, is actually giving a free market to the kids. Yeah. I mean, I think if uh, Teddy's Nissan wants to pay uh, Baker Mayfield to uh, do a do car their commercial, commercial, yeah, then great. Good for them. I and mean, that's their marketing dollars that they are choosing to, to send to spend. And otherwise. That's their choice. You know, and, and, it, it would be no different if then if Teddy's, you know, used car lot in Norman, Oklahoma, decided to hire a kid who was in the film school to edit the commercial for them. Exactly. And, and you know, in the same token, if uh, if Golden Corral in um, stores, Connecticut, wanted to hire uh, one of Gino R. Amos players. <laughs> Um, to do a commercial, then um, that's their prerogative. Yeah. Have you, you picked know? a worse restaurant in a worse city for this example? Okay, so exactly. it's like saying I'll uh, try to somewhere like random. It's like saying Florida State is going to have a player go down to the Sizzler in Jacksonville and do it at no, Dillard's. <laughs> Florida State's going to have a player advertise for Dillard's. Now that that would be ironic. But yeah, I mean, it just it feels like a common sense policy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it. I, I like it because it, it allows a little bit more accessibility to the players. I think um, these autograph seekers and vendors and things like that um, can get their autographs, and the players can get their compensation without getting taken advantage of. I mean, I don't know if you guys know what happened to Todd Gurley uh, and AJ Green. They, they got involved with the autograph broker uh, during their time at Georgia and got each got suspended for four games. So um, it was a total crock. And, you know, I, I was like, well, see, I didn't even remember that. That's how much it affected like their legacy. Well, yeah, it didn't affect their legacy, but what AJ it sounds Green like to me, what it sounds like to me, Coach, is that Georgia is a uh, cheater program and might need to be on the death penalty watch. Yeah, we went rogue, <laughs> man. It was bad. No, 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 Josh. This is going to be a situation where the NCAA is mad at Georgia, so they so they uh, punish Georgia State. It sounds about right. Um, no, but, they, but they they, they, okay, so I, I've I've heard two. I, I've heard two. Um, I, I don't want to say counter takes, but two interesting observations. Well, one's not interesting, and one is just completely hypocritical. Let's start with let's start with the hypocrisy, Josh. Um, I don't know if you saw Mitt Romney on um, 
uh, uh, what is it, uh, behind the lines. Um, but he was complaining that, oh, well, you know, if this goes, if this is enacted, well, then, you know, kids are going to be kids, other kids on campus are going to be even more like mad at or jealous of the kids because they're going to be driving Ferraris. It's like, A, have you ever been on a college campus? There are rich kids and there are not rich kids. It doesn't matter if they play sports or not. They're going to be rich kids who you know, have BMWs and Mercedes are going to try to flaunt that because it's just how like 19 year olds act. And B, if you're this free market capitalist, you are completely like doing something that is antithetical to your entire like uh, view of the world. It's just such hypocrisy. Um, Secondly, how much do the autographs go for, by the way? I don't know. I I can't. I was asking more coach because he knows a little bit. (laughs) About the that. autographs they went for like a th- I think they each got paid like a thousand dollars or something. It was something stupid. But you have, but you're doing so, like two hundred autographs for those for that thousand dollars. All right. Yeah, so a bunch of different probably. items that you are signing and so, that they are selling. All right. Yeah. So we're saying two hundred autographs nets you a thousand dollars. Yeah. So a Ferrari is about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So they need to do three hundred and fifty times. 200, 200 which so, is seventy thousand autographs so they're doing seventy thousand autographs <laughs> um, you know what <laughs> i don't think that's possible <laughs> my point exactly <laughs> that commercial for red roof in in ames <laughs> iowa all right <laughs> so yeah i mean right this is the thing you gotta consider you the sources all player driving a lamborghini yeah you got to consider the sources on some of this. Mitt Romney is a dingus. He's a moron. <laughs> so why are we surprised that he would say something asinine? What was the other counter argument? Okay. So the other counter argument is I think a more interesting one. And this was actually brought to my attention by our number one fan, my dear aunt Sally. Uh, I was actually on the phone with her earlier today and she said, you have to watch this Jay Billis uh, segment. And he is arguing that Billis argues and, you know, uh, Billis being the dupe lawyer that he is, is so eloquent and well-spoken on the topic. He thinks the NCAA is just using this as a stall tactic to delay the inevitable. And I think I see some merit in that because they're trying, they are saying, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll clear the way for this, but they are still fighting it in court at the state level all over the place in California, in Illinois. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's, it's, a great point by Jay Billis. It's not hating the policy. It's hating the implementation of it by the NCAA. They claim they're implementing it while at the same time fighting it. So I think Jay Billis has a really good point with that. Um, I guess if I were to have Jay Billis right next to me and talk to him about it, I would say, you know, if we, lose this opportunity or hammer the NCAA for these stall tactics. It's almost like we're trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's be at least glad that there has been a modicum of progress on this and we'll let the state courts do what they may. But uh, I think it's, I think the worm has turned. I don't see how, this gets overturned in California. Illinois already passed a law on it. You know, other states are going to pass laws on it. So uh, what's the NCAA going to do? File 50 court cases. I mean, give me a break. All it takes is the schools in California saying, bye-bye, we're starting our own conference. And then what's the NCAA going to do? 
without UCLA basketball, USC football, you know, San Diego state cheerleading, whatever the case is like, I mean, there's too much money there. And I mean, Stanford, Cal, like huge programs. So I'm not worried at all about it, but I do think it's an interesting point by Jay Bills. Yeah, it really is. And so I, I think sort of to to put a bow on this, guys, we are all obviously very pro this decision. And we just hope that the implementation can go smoothly and quickly. And I am personally all for, you know, if it's outside, if it's not like the college themselves paying, like literally paying the players, if it's someone else outside paying the players, I honestly let it be a free market. Just let it go. And it's just another factor in what a student athlete is going to get as part of their college experience at whatever school that they go to. Yeah. And I figure it's comparable to if a regular student gets a job, they're going to make money. Well, the student athletes are expected to be in practice don't really have time for jobs. And I mean, let's be honest, one of the worst kept secrets probably with college sports is uh, what are they allowed? X number of like one a days, X number of two a days. Uh, All of those are totally blatantly ignored. The idea of like these optional, you know, captain led team meetings, team practices in the off season. Give me a break. That's the coach saying, uh, hey, dude, you're our star player. Go get your freaking teammates into the gym. I mean, so when would they have go had a gym so we can do this Nike ad? Yeah, like when 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 would uh, student athletes be getting a job on campus? And you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if a these companies are going to be investing their advertising dollar in someone at some in some way shape or form so if they want to do it on college football players let them do it on college football players they, they take the same risk with it as no. they do you know yeah and so i i don't think this is going to be some sort of like all of a sudden you see you know the backup you know third string guard like driving around in a like in a tricked out subvert like cadillac escalator something like that no i, I no, just it, i don't it's, see that happening the the fact of the matter is, and I'm sure we're going to have some listeners probably irate right now say, oh, they're already paid. They get a scholarship. They get a free education. Well, they, they're getting that free education because they're providing an immense service to the university. Providing an, not just a service, and, an immense amount of money for yeah. the university. And on top of that, that is a classes only Scholarship. There's nothing in there about their housing. Well, no one in their right mind wants to live in the dorm all four years on campus. So that student athlete is now going to have to pay rent. The scholarship will have potentially a full meal plan for on-campus food. No person in college wants to have every meal of theirs on campus at a dining facility. Yeah, that's that girls basketball player in in Storrs, Connecticut. She's going to get all you can eat for free at Golden Corral. (laughs) Uh, Commercial. Yeah, Um, yeah, I might start having a problem with that, though. His team might get a little slower, a little, you know. Yeah, Yeah, Um, I don't think Gino's going to like that too much. And 
sometimes there's like built in items with the academic scholarship and uh, you know, so long ago that I might be uh, confusing just a couple of my facts, but from what I remember, one of the gripes of the Northwestern players when they went through their unionizing uh, attempt a couple years ago was the university was supposed to also give them a stipend for their books. Mm-hmm. And it was like not distributed very efficiently. And on top of that, the stipend was like kind of like a um, gift card to the university bookstore that was more expensive than going to the used bookstore. So, or to going to Amazon. Yeah. So sometimes the uh, strings attached with the scholarships can also be more of a nuisance than a benefit. Yes, getting an academic scholarship is amazing, but so do certain other students. You know, if a absolutely brilliant kid uh, was like up for a Nobel prize in high school, do you think they're paying for college? No, they've been given a full academic scholarship, but that kid can get a job and be paid. That's what we're talking about. So, and that's what this, you know, make money off your likeness is all about. It's an outside job. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, do a quick, quick review of last weekend. Obviously, the biggest news in all of college football was the uh, upset um, of Oklahoma by Kansas State in the Little Apple, 48 to 41. Uh, Josh, Jalen Jalen Hurts still uh, managed to rack up the yards, but they were just, you know, outdone by a Kansas State team that seemingly made no mistakes the entire day. No, that's, you know, if we're going to have an upset, you got to be the cleaner team. Kansas State won the turnover margin 2 nothing. Kansas State was penalized less. Um, Kansas State brought a bruising running game. I mean, just shortened the game, wore Oklahoma out, 213 rushing yards of 45 carries. That's 4.7 yards per. That's a pretty good day. And and really, it's 42 carries for uh, 219 yards because three of those are just them taking a knee at the end of the game. Exactly. So uh, the thing about this is – Oklahoma, we've always been like, do they have a championship level defense and not big 12 championship level? We're talking like national championship level. And it seems like yet again, no, they, they gave up 17 points right in that second quarter uh, to go down. Then they give up 17 points in the third quarter to kind of blow the game open. What I will say though, testament to Oklahoma and Jalen hurts. They were a, you know, a couple frames of video away from potentially, you know, getting the ball back, potentially driving after that outside kick, potentially winning the game. Um, It was just an all around exciting game. And for Kansas state, I mean, they've got a first year coach. They're up to six wins, marquee upset. Um, we we got almost have to reevaluate this program ceiling 
as early as like next off season. Why aren't they in that Oklahoma and Texas group? And that's pretty crazy to think about coach. It really is. I mean, it really is. I don't know what, I don't know what else to say about that, but I will say it was a fun game to watch because I enjoyed watching Kansas state for the better part of the game. Um, lay the beat down on Oklahoma. Oklahoma couldn't do anything. Um, they, they did in Oklahoma fashion come back, but it was too little too late. And uh, they made a valiant, valiant effort. And I thought at one point, very briefly, I was like, uh, well, Kansas state, if they don't blow this thing, it's going to be pretty good. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I enjoyed watching that one. I think it was fun. And uh I don't know. I, I just don't know if Oklahoma is ever going to get that upper echelon of getting over the hump, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, especially. I mean, listen, that Kansas state matchup with Kansas this weekend. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Both these teams coming off of big wins. Kansas beat Texas tech. Um, I mean, that's crazy enough. They should have beaten Texas as well. Um you know, uh, if Kansas manages to win um, one of their final four games, they will finish with four wins or more for the first time since 2009. Speaking about Texas, I know we're doing a quick week because we're here on a Thursday, but uh, the horns, not so hot <laughs> down there at TCU, a, a TCU team that's been uh, quite erratic this year to say the least. <laughs> Max Duggan though, Max Duggan is a, that, that dude's a freaking trooper. Like he is not afraid to take a hit and just pop right back up. Um, even though those were some absolutely positively hideous, hideous uniforms TCU is in like good. They got the win. So I'm afraid that they're going to come back because they're going to think that this, you know, the uniforms were lucky. Please don't do that to my eyes again. I can't do it. Hey Matt, if it makes you feel any better, speaking of uni watch, uh, if we're going to do the, this fashion segment brought to you by Dillard. the stores, Connecticut. Okay. Corral. The, no, it's clearly brought to us by Mervyn's the Dillard's in Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> Um, go, go on Twitter. Uh, Georgia Southern has done a uniform reveal for their, for their game this week. They're doing the Stormtrooper with the Philadelphia Eagle logo on their helmet. It looks freaking sick. I can go. Well, look. it's not only does it look good on TV, they are playing up to it. They're mm-hmm. taking it to App State right now, 24 to 7. Yes, they are. Um, West Virginia and Baylor are locked in a tight one uh, as well as we record tight at 14 uh, with two minutes left in the third. Uh, if you're trying to keep track live, <laughs> if you're trying to keep track live through our podcast, it's going to come out tomorrow morning. <laughs> so that's a weird way to watch football. Hey, you know what? There are people who do it. So um, anyway, elsewhere in the, uh, college football universe last weekend a uh, big victory by Michigan. They, you know, Harbaugh finally gets over the hump, finally wins a game as an underdog. Um, and it just, they blow the doors off of Notre Dame, um, which, you know, good for them. Oregon uh, needs a valiant comeback uh, to, uh, to beat Washington state. Um, well, here's the thing about that Oregon's Washington state game. 
the Pac-12 refs nearly Pac-12 refs nearly screwed that game up. All you have to say massively. is Pac-12. All you have to say is Pac-12 refs because so, they, they will always do the wrong thing. So on Washington State's drive to briefly take the lead before Oregon's heroics, the Wazoo quarterback throws a duck up that Oregon is easily going to intercept. The Washington State kid just mugs the Oregon guy and flags come out. And everyone in the entire world is like, okay, offensive pass interference. That mm-hmm. was like, it, I think it was like third and 10. So it's like, okay, so now it's going to be third and 20. All right. Or they decline it and it's fourth and 10, yeah. Fourth down. Uh, they somehow called defensive pass interference on it and continued the drive and Washington State scored it. I'm like, what? I was like, yeah, I was like, this cannot happen. It's the Pac 12 refs, but Oregon overcame the idiocy and lunacy of some local math teachers. I don't know who the Pac 12 employs, but I don't think they are uh, the best and the brightest. Uh, Pac 12 uses the California School of the Blind yeah. to well, staff their referees. I, I think the California School of the I think the California School of the Blind would be better refs. Like they, these, they just seem oblivious to the rules. They they seem disinterested. Well, like as the old saying goes, when I get old and I can't see, I want to be a referee. <laughs> nice. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Notre Dame Michigan game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this one is pretty obvious how it played out. Um, Michigan's defense is healthy again and dominating again. And, you know, you never want to like spot a player, especially a college can be like, well, they're the reason they lost, but like Ian book, I just, I think he's a fine quarterback, but I don't think he's a difference maker. And if he's going to go eight for 25, there's not a game in the world Notre Dame wins if he does that. Yeah. Um, that don't, look, don't look now, guys. Um, okay, in I'll the Pac-12 South, do you know who controls their destiny? Three teams. Dem Utes. Yep. Dem Trojans. Uh, Dem Trojans. Dem Bruins. And Dem Bruins, baby. I figured that's where you were going. Yeah. Bruins are back. This offense is taking a hold and uh, they are just absolutely starting to run teams into submission. Like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the 200 plus yards that Kansas state had UCLA had 217 on the ground against Arizona state. And again, they were able to, um, well, Thompson Robinson didn't uh, throw interceptions this game. He still, he still lost two fumbles typical him but um they um were able to just get enough possession and hold on uh, uh hold off arizona state from scoring at the end and it's, you know and, and, and weirdly stunning. enough they are uh they're actually favored this week which scares the scares the daylights out of me they're scared they're favored against colorado which is a jekyll and Hyde team if there ever was one that that stuns me that they beat Arizona state. Cause I'm pretty sure Arizona state's game plan is you play to win the game. 
I do believe that is the mantra of one Herm Edwards. You play to win the game, right? Huh? That that is correct. You play to win the game. But you don't just play to play. No, you play to win the game. <laughs> Speaking of winning games, coach, uh, your season is kind of coming down to this right now, this weekend. Um, yeah, so, guys, work. guys, gentlemen, it's time to crack open a cold one. And make a toast to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Cheers. Amen. So, Coach, Jacksonville, Florida, hottest ticket of the weekend. Two Mm -hmm. top 10 teams, one loss each in the SEC East. Georgia, Florida. Obviously, you know, we know you're taking the dogs, but what are you looking out for this weekend? Well, the, the, the biggest thing to watch for is can Jake Fromm bounce back? He's he's had a stinker of, of a two-week stretch here. Um, the offense in general has had a stinker in the last couple of weeks, but uh, can he bounce back? Can, can the offensive line protect? Can they take care of the ball? Can they open it up and be a little bit more dynamic? Uh, can these receivers make a difference in this game, which in the last couple of weeks they have not? Uh, Lawrence Cager returns from a hamstring injury that he sustained in the Tennessee game. So uh, that'll be a breath of fresh air for, for this Georgia offense. And uh, most importantly, the Georgia receiving core. Um, It's really going to be a battle of defenses. Uh, Georgia is uh, really good in the secondary and pretty good at the linebacker level and doesn't get as good of a pass rush as you'd like. Florida is the exact opposite. Florida will get a great pass rush, but they're not very good in the secondary. So if you can protect, they can be scored on in the secondary. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great matchups uh, across the board. There's too many individual ones to really name um, separately, but it's just going to come down to, you know, who can be patient, who can, who can take advantage of, big mistakes and who can capitalize um, yeah, who can coach, win the turnover battle, all you, that good stuff. You've mentioned all, all these big matchups. And to me, I think, you know, most of them are, are pretty darn even across the board. The one there place that I see Georgia having a, a true advantage and, and one that could, that I think will make the difference in this game is their offensive line versus Florida's defensive line. Uh, Florida's defensive line is uh, a little thin and a little light. If you just, if you look at the, their weight, like the sheer weight, I'm talking like four yeah. pounds. They get Zuniga back too, I believe. And so if, if George is able to use those maulers, Isaiah Wilson and the rest of that crew to, you know, really pound DeAndre Swift and the, and the rest of that backfield, I feel like that is the way that they are going to win the game. If they, if they ride the the offensive line, here's the thing. If they're going to use those maulers up front, they can't run the same lead draw 50 times. Well, they shouldn't be running draws. They, 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 they should be running power. Like, you know, play to your strength, man. Run power, run outside yeah. zone, run inside yes. zone. Zone read, let Fromm pull it a couple times, throw a pass, attack the middle of the field, run outside zone, run power, run inside zone, throw a back shoulder fade touchdown it's very easy i mean they've got it made up front they should be able to cram it down florida's throat and then when they can't when florida has to stack the box now you go look at cager throw that back shoulder fade that you're really good at or find some things that attack the middle of the field which 
that's been the main things defense has been willing to sacrifice because they know that that's where Georgia is not very strong over the middle of the field. Josh, uh, you know, what are you expecting to see uh, out of the Gators in this one? Well, I think you guys actually kind of are going to have already said my argument, but I'm going to phrase it in a, a simple way on how I see this game. The Jims and Joes favor Georgia. But I think the X's and O's, and the coach talked about why are they running all those draw plays. I think the X's and O's favor Florida. This is a team that, you know, against LSU, yeah, they lost 42-28. Looks like they got blown out. Um, they, had a, they were in that game the whole way. Yeah, they led in the third quarter. They have a few issues on their back end of their defense, which coach already talked about Joe Burrows, LSU took advantage of that, but Dan Mullen has proved it time and time again at Mississippi state. And now at Florida, he just like gets the most out of whatever collection of players you give it. And if you are a Georgia team, kind of, I don't know, coach, is it fair to say that they're a little stuck in neutral these last few weeks? They really are. Um, yeah. That's going to be terrifying to know that you haven't put anything impressive on tape and you've had Dan Mullen and his staff now get to pick you apart. So I think this is a great opportunity for Florida to steal this division right out from under a team that I think honestly on paper is better, but Florida's just kind of firing on more cylinders right now and, it's getting a, a better coaching job this season. They are. Um, and, and I think you'll see just kind of where Georgia stands as far as the coaching aspect of it goes, because you'll see kind of what they have coming off of the bye week after some of the performances they've been putting on. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what they bring to the table, see how they open things up. This is really, I you know, you never like to admit it, but your offensive coordinator is coaching for his job in this one. Truthfully. He um, has to be. Because you can't have all of that talent and perform like they've been performing. I can forgive the Kentucky game because it was in a monsoon. Yeah. I'm with you there. I cannot give the forgive the South Carolina game. And South Carolina and Florida run pretty much the same defensive scheme. And they did not have a ton of success against South Carolina. Yeah, and Florida has better, better DBs. Yeah, I mean, from through four interceptions, they played like garbage in overtime. I'm not going to rehash this game. Play by <laughs> okay, play. Yeah, no, were, we don't need to. Let's move on to the Pac-12, guys. There are two, the, the two, the, the top two ranked teams in the Pac-12. The two top ten teams in the Pac-12 are both on the road this weekend as very short road favorites. Utah is only a three-point favorite at Washington, unranked Washington. Oregon only a four and a half point favorite at unranked USC. However, SC coming off of a, a, a big win, they're looking better. Washington is the best three-loss team in the country. I think that's pretty safe to say. And they've got talent all over the place. Guys, which one of uh, Josh, I'll start with you. Who is more likely to be upset this weekend, Oregon or Utah? I think Oregon because USC doesn't have a t 
talent problem. That hasn't been the issue with why we thought Clay Helton was on the hot seat. It was always a coaching problem. So USC gets amazing recruiting classes year in, year out. Uh, So, you know, Oregon almost lost to Washington state a week ago at home, no less. So I think they're on more of an upset alert. And I think with Washington, yeah, they're at home. Yeah. They're a good three loss team. Yeah. One of those losses was the crazy rainstorm in the Cal game. Who, but, by the way, I don't know if you saw, they, they, they just can't play offense anymore. No. So speaking but, of Washington, but Washington's that out for you. I was just going to say Washington's had, what concerns me about Washington is none of their losses have been the same. Ignore the Cal one. Stanford, their offense doesn't do diddly crap. Then against Oregon, their defense falls apart and doesn't do anything. And then they, even in some of their wins, like Hawaii, BYU, their offense looks amazing. USC and BYU. yeah, Yeah. USC, their offense really struggles. And so Washington, not only are they a three loss team, they're in the danger zone of being one of those, as you said earlier about a different team, Matt, a Jekyll and Hyde team. Mm. Utah is very consistent. I'm not worried at all about what kind of game Utah is going to have, especially because because w- no. when Tyler Huntley's behind center, like they are as you know as strong a team as the Pac-12 can put out. Yeah, so uh, that's why I think it's pretty safe to say that Oregon's the team with more of an upset alert. Coach, are you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, bec- um, but I also feel. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how this stat affects Washington. They uh, Chris Peterson is 18 and 0 when coming off of a bye, and he is nine and 0 um, in his last nine games following a loss. Ooh, Ooh. so coach with a little intel there, I like it. So let's see where that goes. Mm. Um. I so it sounds like, Coach, that you're, you're going to take Washington uh, to pull the upset over Utah. Well, not so fast. <laughs> Thanks, Corson. Uh, I know, right? need my pencil. Uh, or I need the Digger Phelps uh, highlighter to match my tie. I don't know what's worse. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think um, Washington does well, but you guys are spot on when you talk about just kind of how they've been. And they've, this is, this is a Washington team that's unlike any other Washington team, Washington team under Chris Peterson, where you don't really know what their MO is. You don't really know kind of how they, kind of how they operate and kind of how, what makes them successful. And I don't want to say they, I don't want to say they don't have an identity because I don't think that's true. Um, but they just, it just doesn't seem like they have much chemistry, um, realistically. And it just seems like teams that have lack of chemistry find different ways to lose. You know how I know that I'm experiencing it firsthand. Um, at Hillwood, we have found new ways to lose each week, uh, because we have no chemistry. We, we have no chemistry. Um, we've tried to develop it, um, but just 
unfortunately with this group that we just haven't been able to find the, the magic solution. And, you know, in several games, we, you know, one game, a uh, block field goal um, was the thing that blew the game open and, and kind of made, you know, made us lose momentum. There was another game where kickoff return. Uh, There's another game where we turned it over five times uh, and lost. I mean, there's just different ways to, um, that we've lost and the same things happened to Washington. So um, I'm not as quick to jump on the, I'm not as quick to say they're going to go 19 and 0 off of a bye week. I do like their chances because I still think they are well coached, but um, there's some things, some adversity they're going to have to overcome and some discombobulation they're going to have to kind of overcome as well. Now, coach, I got to ask was, is the lack of chemistry, was that a, a school board budgetary decision or uh, why does Hillwood not offer chemistry as a class? <laughs> we have no teachers that want to teach um, <laughs> physics, though. Um, I, like, I, like your, uh, I like your response. We really only have one chemistry teacher. Um, real talk. <laughs> That's a real problem, especially aren't you guys like a, like a medical sciences magnet school? We have no one of our academies is health science. Sorry, that's what I'm we're, we're, not a, we're not a magnet. We're not a magnet. I'm sorry, you guys have so many different terms in MMPS. I can't keep it straight. I know, right? Um, but no, we have a health science academy. The academies, Josh, um, are uh, segments within the school that are based around career technical education classes in the health science field. Um, I'm in the Academy of Art, Design, and Communication, um, in which AV production falls under that umbrella. As a as this the, the everything is built around the CTE classes, and everything is geared around towards the CTE classes. So if you teach a CTE class, you're you're in business. <laughs> All right, pretty highly thought of. Well, uh, the game that is most highly thought of this weekend, at least by the crew at College Game Day ESPN, is the SMU Memphis battle. They will be on Beale Street come Saturday morning, Josh. Ooh. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. And they're coming. That'll be. To your city. That'll be exciting. I'm just saying it's uh, 194 miles. <laughs> Anyhow, you're going to be in town. I'm just saying, guys, we could do a little, a little, little remote on location. We can talk about it after the show. Anyway, that'd be quite the road trip. Just wake me up. <laughs> um, anyway, we, we could be three men and a baby. Fun. We'll take Huck. It'll be a good time. Um, you never know what I'm going to say because I'll be uh, loopy. <laughs> um, we got SMU in Memphis undefeated SMU. They needed a miracle of all miracles to win again last week. They have been absolutely nuts. Memphis, on the other hand, their only loss this season um, was back uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago to Temple in a close one. And now we've seen that Temple team is very much for real. Mm hmm. So, uh, Josh, I mean, Memphis is actually the favorite. It's actually a six point favorite in this one, but you know, the ponies have been as lucky as any team in America. So, well, yeah, know. I mean, uh, certainly the Tulsa game was tight. That Houston game you alluded to, that one was tight outside of those two. 
pretty dominant. I, mean, I, I, they, I, I they, didn't mean that isn't like, yeah. you know, they, they've, they've only won because of luck, but no, I know, know but you're but they still did, here. They, at, they did crush that same temple team 45, 21. So SMU's sure. undefeated and, and highly ranked for a reason. Uh, I think what caught my eye for me in this matchup is I knew that Memphis had a good record. I couldn't remember that it was seven and one until I was checking notes for the show. And I knew that Memphis had cracked the polls, but I was like, yeah, they beat Ole Miss, but like who else? And then I was double checking some of their stuff from their schedule. Well, they molly whopped a two lane team that's Molly <laughs> that I think is pretty impressive. Just smoked them 47 to 17. So that was a little bit of an eye popper. They beat Navy, who is quietly six and one. So this Memphis team, I think, is favored for good reason. But what I find most intriguing is who has Memphis played that has as good a passing game as this SMU team? And I think that's where the Mustangs are going to find a way to win on the road. I think that SMU's passive attack has been deadly. They're firing on all cylinders. Uh, FOMA Texas quarterback, Shane Bouchelle, 20 touchdowns, 2,300 yards. Xavier Jones, great one-two punch. He's got over 800 rushing yards already on the season, closing in on 900. This offense is really, really good. And if you look at Memphis's best wins that I talked about, well, two of those three are against option fundamental teams. I know Tulane's gotten away from it a little bit, but still Memphis just hasn't been tested against an offense like this. So I think being the road underdog will be some nice locker room material. I think that offense, if they come out clicking can get a very marquee win and the college game day location win. So I'm going to ride or die with these ponies. I really like them. Well, okay. Um, I'm with Josh on this. I really like the way SMU is playing. Shane Bouchelle um, has been outstanding. Um, Last Saturday, Bouchelle was 20 of 38 for 203. Two touchdowns and an interception. Um, Xavier Jones has been a big part of this offense. He's chipped in with, uh, you know, in the rushing attack to help them become uh, fairly balanced. He rushed for 122, he rushed for a buck 22 last week and two touchdowns. Um, you know, SMU is, is a team that is determined. They're playing really well together. Um, their school board must, uh, must have really, really uh, been in favor of science because their chemistry is really good. Uh, they have a really good chemistry <laughs> program um but <laughs> in all seriousness uh sunny dice is just done wanders there and just kind of, and, it, and i really like that they're back relevant because of what they've gone through after the death penalty they came back and they were just like bottom of the barrel like at a certain point like rutgers could have blown them out you know <laughs> 
they would have been Rutgers homecoming for that circled win, you know? Um, I mean, they, they had flashes of, can they, can they get over the hump? uh, Yeah. As recently as when they had June Jones there, but, but nothing like this where they are contending for a conference title contending for, yeah. Contending for a, you know, massive bull berth if they are the highest ranked group of five team. So, I mean, this, this is just a new stratosphere for them and it's great to see. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they also, they're crafty. They find uh, ways to win. I mean, I know I uh, just bragged on Shane Bouchelle, who's been playing really well, but that game against Houston, Houston outgained them five, 10 to three eighty five. Um, but they found ways to win because of turnovers. You know, people don't understand how important the turnover battle is. And that made the difference. You know, they won turnover. They recovered two fumbles, both led to touchdowns. Uh, Not only did they lead to points, but they led to six and not three. Um, They are, here's some stats here. Uh, They allow 27 points per game. They're 67th in the country there. Um, they have a 202 yards per game average on the ground. That's 31st. That's good for 31st in the country. They have a 301 yards per game in the air, which is good for 17th in the country. Um, they give up 270 yards per game in the air, which is good for 112th. That's not good. Um, and they give up 116 yards per game on the ground, which is good for 25th. So that tells me they have a really good run defense. Their secondary is awful. <laughs> um, they can uh, they can sling it, but then they they can. What, what that tells me more than anything, though, coach, is that they are playing from ahead a lot as well because that's because teams have to be throwing on them constantly just to try to make up ground. Yeah. And, and they allow points per game because you know, they're 67th, you know, middle of the pack in the country, a uh, middle to lower half of the, of the pack, probably because they're playing from ahead a lot and, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the secondary. So, you know, naturally when you play these kind of high flying teams and, and in their conference, it's going to, you know, naturally you're going to just give up some points. That's just kind of like a occupational hazard of playing in this conference. So, um, but I'm, I've just, I've been really impressed with, with SMU. Their uniform game has been strong. Sonny Dykes has been the right move. Uh, maybe Texas Tech should have looked at Sonny Dykes. Um, in his we'll dad only before. <laughs> um, there. <laughs> I, you know, there's something involving his dad, maybe coaching there. Spike Dykes, Spike Dykes, Sonny Dykes. And, uh, you know, I, I don't get that, but that's okay. SMU, um, is leading them on a resurgence. Maybe this will lead them to, uh, bring back the old school Southwest conference. How fun would that be? I I am very pro swack. (laughs) Yeah. Arkansas might have a conference they could compete in. Well, I was just about to say it's about about time for us to wrap up, but I think we might've buried the lead. We did bury the lead. Arkansas was unfortunately looking past Alabama a little bit to this Mississippi state game, but it happens. It happens. It does. Uh, 
Yeah, I wanted to do a super, super quick Big Ten corner in addition to my usual burying the lead, but uh, just some some things from a week ago. Uh, not going to talk about your game, Matt, but uh, oh yeah. Uh, Minnesota, if they weren't in the Big Ten and they weren't an Iowa rival, this would be such an amazing, fun story. They kept it going, blew out Maryland to push it to 8-0. and And my God, Matt, have you ever rooted for Minnesota more than what you'll be doing when they take on Penn State? <laughs> I mean, we cannot let James Franklin of that Penn State team have any happiness, right? Don't we need to... But I also can't let the boat the chief, the boat rower in chief have happiness either. Like, <laughs> I, 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 want, I want mutually assured destruction. The the admiral of the rowboat. <laughs> no, I, I don't want Fleck. I don't want Jay, like I don't want any of them to feel joy or happiness. Fair enough. But you know uh, what? But like I, I, I Penn State's for real. Yeah, Penn State's a is real freaking real. team. And like, but, I, I don't believe Minnesota is. I still don't Matt, believe it. But Matt, I think you and I would both be in agreement. If if Minnesota was in the Big Ten East, or if Minnesota was in, in the Big Twelve, was in the Big Twelve, this would be wonderful. This would be one of the best stories ever. Oh, absolutely! I would like, love it if, if, if Minnesota was in the Big Twelve. Maybe yeah. should, maybe we should move them to the Big Twelve. Um, <laughs> this would be wonderful. That would be weird. So that was a big 10 moment. I want to talk about uh, Iowa shut out Northwestern uh, some more offensive issues. Who would have guessed uh, for the Hawkeyes, but they are in a pretty good position now. Um, if they can win the big one against Wisconsin, we'll see who knows. I, I, mm-hmm. I still think Wisconsin will blow them out in that game. And then the last big 10 item I wanted to talk about Illinois, Four and four followed up the followed up the massive upset of Wisconsin with a really just rock solid twenty four to six win at a struggling Purdue team, but it was a road conference win. They're up to four and four, and with their remaining schedule, Rutgers is their next game. Should be five and four. Michigan State has been reeling. That's a win potentially at Iowa. Iowa's offensively challenged that, you know, who knows? Weird things happen. And then this Northwestern team, which is God awful. I think Illinois is in a really good position to make a bowl. And while we're talking about teams in good positions to make a bowl, uh, Indiana, not having to worry about being in good position to make a bowl. Cause they're they six and two for one. Yeah. How about that? There's a little How bit about them. Who's yeah, there's a little uh, big 10 corner for you guys. All right. Thank you. Well, I think that's going to have to do it for us tonight here, gentlemen. <laughs> um, and so on that musical note, on behalf of uh, our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from McTenn Accounting, Josh Cook up there in the Windy City. This is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Well, I'm a running down the road trying to loosen my load. I guess watching this App State game. For they want to owe me to, they want to stone me. She's a friend of mine. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.